Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 034, Blessed is. Wake up call 034, Blessed is. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. Of course, I'm your host, AJ, and this is another wake up call. Wake up call 034. Man, we're moving along in this year. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're listening today. I really appreciate you tuning in, watching, sharing, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, on the YouTube, on the podcast channel. I'm thankful. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. We're going to go to Psalms 112, and we're going to look at a particular psalm uh, that this entire wake-up call is based on. Let me just begin with reading it. Psalms 112, verse 1. It's 10 verses. I'm going to read through it. Verse 1, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be excuse me. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He's dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. Verse ten: The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. That particular psalm is a psalm I've said it over the years, but just a little phrase that I've coined with it. That's my biography. Psalms 112 is my biography. And here's the good news. It can be yours as well. Psalms 112 talks about the blessing of the Lord in the life of the believer. The degree of God's goodness that is available and what your life should look like as a Christian. You know, there's there's God's will, and then there's what we live up to, right? Or what we receive by faith. What what do I mean by that? God's will is extremely good and holy and just and righteous and pure and perfect. And we receive by faith God's will in our life. You know, there's lots of things that God wills for you and me. And we receive them when we get on, we get in agreement with Him. And get on the same level of understanding with Him. And so Psalms 112 shows us how beautiful, how prosperous, how wonderful, how good, how righteous, how holy God's will is for the life of the believer. What a blessing. All, 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 we're actually going to look at these, all these different types of benefits that the man or the woman of God receives by having faith in Him. Really, if you, if you go back 
Psalms 111 tells us about the faithfulness and the justice and, and the provision and power of God. It tells us about who God is, Psalms 111. And then there's a transition verse, Psalms 111, verse 10. I'll read it. It's the last verse of that psalm. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Then we hit Psalms 112, which describes to us the believer. It's really interesting because Psalms 111 describes the nature of God, the attributes of God, who God is. Then Psalms 112 describes the nature and the attributes of the righteous man, the righteous woman, and who he is, who she is in faith in Christ. Now, of these blessings, before we get into it, how do we access, how do we enter into all the good things that God has willed for us? It's not, let's just say it plainly, everything that God wills doesn't come to pass. There are things concerning God's will. For instance, the second coming of Christ, the millennial reign, sin and Satan being removed from the earth and cast into the bottomless pit, the new heavens and the new earth, being, you know, this earth being renovated by holy fire and bringing in a new age. Those things will happen regardless of what anyone says, does, thinks, or wants. But within the life of the believer... Some call it the permissive will of God. Within the life of the believer, there are things that God wants for me, but I only receive them when I believe and have faith to receive them. Everything we get from God, we receive by faith. So it's very simple, and that's what's so powerful about renewing your mind with the Word of God. The more you read the Word of God, the more you put Scripture into, you know, put it before your eyes, Read it out loud. It's coming in your ears. The more you get the Word of God coming into you, changing your mind, getting your mind and your thoughts to line up with God's thoughts, seeding your heart with the Word of God, that brings you up to a place of knowledge. And on on top of that knowledge, it allows you to believe and expect and desire what God has in store for you, what He's provided. 2 Corinthians 1, in fact, let me read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. These three verses are really life-changing verses when you get a hold of them. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18. But as God is faithful, King James says true, but it's the same thing. God's faithful, God's true. If God said it, he'll do it. He's faithful. He's true. He's not a liar. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Paul speaking, Silvanius, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Notice that, verse 20, for all, not some, not a few, all the promises of God In him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. There are things that God has promised, and they are yes, they are amen. Amen means so be it. They are yes, they are so be it, they are the will of God, and we must receive them by faith. And Paul makes this point in verse 18 and 19. You can be wishy-washy. 
you can you can kind of ebb and flow in and out. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. You're not, you know, you have a little bit of, I think God wants this for my life, and then, ah, well, you know, there's this and that. You fall per, to the persuasions of men, opinions, lies, deceit. Satan tries to deceive you, make you think you're not worthy not to receive the things from God. Look, faith gets to a point where it just point blank says, this is what, you know, this is the knowledge of God. This is the will of God. I understand this is what God desires for me, and I shall receive it. It's mine. I receive it by faith. And then there's, there's that aspect of desire that's connected to faith, and that desire gets elevated, gets that switch of desire gets flipped on when you realize this is what God wants for my life. He wants me to be blessed. He wants me to have be righteous, made in right standing with Him by the blood of Jesus. He wants me to endure. He wants me to have an unshakable life. He wants me to be generous and prosperous. He wants my, not just me, but my children and my children's children to have generational uh, blessing and provision. He wants me to have understanding and vision and, and wisdom in dark times. This is what He wants. And because He wants it, I want it. You get to that point. I desire these things that God has. He he has them wheeled for my life. In fact, if you missed it, make sure you go check out last week's Wake Up Call 033 Inheritance. And we kind of get touch on this idea. But there's something that has been given to you by the blood of Christ. John 10, 9, when we pick up with our Who Is This Jesus series, we're, we're going to be in our fifth one. He's the resurrection and life. But if you go back to two episodes, he is the door. Jesus is the door by which faith opens and you enter into the things of God. But if you want to enter into everything that God has for you, you must enter in the door by way of Christ. And, and you can't be wishy-washy. You can't go back and forth, ebb and flow. Faith does not ebb and flow in its understanding. It, it's like a bulldog. It's like a junkyard bulldog. It's a junkyard bulldog. You've probably seen them. Uh, my grandparents who lived in Graycourt, they lived close to a, uh, a junkyard. And you had to drive a little ways. They had some farmland out there. On the other side of the farmland, there was a junkyard. The owner of the junkyard had a big old pit bull down and chained up in there. A lot of leash in case someone jumped in trying to steal something that pit bull could get a hold of them. And he wouldn't feed them a whole lot. He, that pit bull was never fat, always skinny. He was kept lean on purpose so that if anything got in there, he'd go after it and he would grab a hold of it and not let go. <laughs> He's going to get him something to eat. <laughs> take, take a chunk out of someone's leg. But you, you have to be like that junkyard junkyard bulldog. You grab a hold of something, some you got a piece of meat and you ain't eating wild, you grab a hold of it, you lock those jaws and you don't let nobody pull it out. That's what faith does. It takes a hold of the truth and the knowledge that God's given us and I will not be denied. I'm not trying to make God do something. I can't make God do anything. But I will not be denied. I will not let doubt unbelief, fear, the opinions of man, social correctness, political correctness, politics, culture, lies, deceits of the enemy. I won't let anything detour me from what God has made available to me. 
James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So in this intro here, we understand that God has willed for your life wonderful, miraculous, beautiful things. The promises of God are yes and amen, but you must receive them by faith, and faith means that you will not doubt, for anyone that doubts will receive nothing from God. Faith is the language and the means by which we receive and communicate our will with God and His will to us. Let's look at Psalms 112 back where we began. How do we receive all these wonderful benefits? Well, before we do that, let's look at a few of the benefits. In fact, I'm going to change it up. Let's look at a few of the benefits. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That's generational increase. That's generational blessing. This right here, in my personal testimony, my wife and I, which I don't know if you heard her, when I just started this wake-up call, Naomi was in the other room making, <laughs> making, yelling and making some noise. You may have heard her in the background. <laughs> But this was, a, this was a particular verse, Psalms 112, verse 3. This verse, this verse right here, was one of several verses that I confessed and prayed every day, multiple times a day, when we were believing for a child. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And I would simply say, Lord, in order for this word to be true in my life, I must have descendants. And I would say that, Lord, how can my descendants be mighty on the earth? How will the generation that comes after me be blessed if I have no descendants? I, I must, and I would say that, Lord, I must have a child because your word says my descendants will be mighty on the earth, which means I must have a child. And we did, and we'll have more, praise God, because part of this blessing is this a generational family tree changing blessing? I realize a lot of people that listen to us, uh, listen to uh, us, I say us, it's me, <laughs> listen to the Faith for My Generation podcast are lots of young folks. Let me encourage you. Maybe you're not at this point in your life. Maybe you're not married yet. Maybe you're believing God for a spouse. Hey, you can work it out from there. Lord, you said my descendants will be blessed. How am I going to have descendants until I'm married? That's the means by which you have created this, uh, the way your, your blessing works. I first got to get married, then I get my descendants. So, Lord, I believe you're providing me a husband, providing me a wife. Amen. Psalms, Psalm 68, he puts the solitary, he sets the solitary into a family. He that is lonely, she that is lonely, that is single, he puts into a family. Marriage is how you produce a family. Two become, come together and make one and make a new family. See, there's so many things that you want and you desire that God wants and desires for you. But until you get a knowledge that, hey, this is what God wants for me, and it's also a desire of my heart, then the faith doesn't flow until you get to that conclusion. But then once you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you see in the Word, oh, God wants me to have those desires. If you desire to be married, God wants me to have a spouse. Well, Lord, I believe you're going to lead me to my spouse. 
I believe Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife has found a good thing and obtained favor from the Lord. Lord, I believe I've obtained favor from you, so I believe you that you're sending me my wife. I prayed that prayer. I remember praying that prayer for my wife months before I ever met her, and the Lord did, and we'll be celebrating 10 years of marriage in November of 2022. We're recording this, of course, in August of 2022. So think about that. One word from God will change your life. One word from God will change your life. Let's keep going. Verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house. Well, that's provision. That's prosperity. God, do away with this silly dead religious idea that being poor equals holy. Maybe it's not as prevalent today. I don't know. Maybe it is. When I'm doing streaming and, and stuff, man, that's one of the, it's so silly, you know. I had one guy, he commented on this video I put up. You are so not like Jesus. This is what it, this was his logic. Because Jesus would never have a computer and a cell phone. He gave everything he had away. And he would never use a computer and cell phone. That you're using it. And you're using one, which means you're not like Jesus. That was his logic. What was the video about? Well, it's about every video that I put up. I just, I don't do a lot of personal social media. It's not, I'm not against it. I just don't think about it. I, like 99.9% of my social media interaction is is doing what I'm doing right now. So the video he's he's griping and moaning and complaining about is me just talking about the Word of God. And then, and then secondly, what he said was stupid because Jesus totally would have used every resource he had available to him to push out his truth, which is the truth that saves people. You know, God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he walked on the earth, he used all kinds of resources. He used a donkey that was never ridden on. He used an upper room that he didn't own. He used a tomb that he didn't own. He used a fish to pay taxes. He used a little boy's lunch to feed a multitude, 5,000 men plus their, their wives and children. Jesus used everything available to him. Uh, Jesus spit in mud and used spit bit and mud to heal blind eyes. Jesus used lots of stuff. He used all kind of stuff. Jesus used all kind of people. And so away with the silly idea, well, if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to be broke. You know, if you'll just do what the Bible tells you to do, that by default will make you very wealthy. Read the book of Proverbs and put it to practice in your life. What is the book of Proverbs, Proverbs going to tell you? Well, it tells you to honor the Lord with your first fruits. That's the tithe, Proverbs 3. It tells you to, to uh, give, be generous. That's the offering. That's the almsgiving. That's helping people, Proverbs 11. So we've got tithing, offerings, giving, just general generosity. The book of Proverbs tells you to save. It tells you to invest. It tells you never to co-sign on a deal. It tells you to buy quality things over cheap, easy schemes. It tells you that wealth doesn't come overnight, but over a lifetime of working. It tells you to, uh, I think we already mentioned investing. It tells you to own property. It tells you to own fields. What are fields? Well, today a field would be anything that produces income. That's what a field does. It's something that you own and it make it produces and creates a livelihood for you. It tells you to take care of the stuff you have. It tells you to make a budget and plan. 
If you do all those things, you will be wealthy. Now, wealth is different degrees for different people, but you will live high above normal. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. So the man that loves God, fears the Lord, and delights greatly in his commandments, he will be righteous, holy, and prosperous and wealthy. And man, I, I just I have no time for people, especially we have internet we have a lot of international listeners as well on the on the Faith for My Generation podcast. But I get so frustrated when I hear people that live in the nation that I live in, the United States of America. People that are broke as a joke in the United States of America are usually better off than middle middle class income earners in third world nations. Like what you call poverty in America is pretty darn well off in other nations. So, you know, and then they want to bellyache about, well, if you serve God, you're not going to have anything. It's like you have two TVs. That's more than 2.3 billion people on the earth. <laughs> you're already prosperous and don't know it. So away with this silly idea. Because Jesus, in the millennial reign, it says, every man will have his own vine and sit under his own fig tree. Vine, prosperity, fig tree, peace. Vine and fig tree, universal peace and prosperity. So what are we getting to? The millennial reign of Christ. Christ ruling and reigning on the earth, literally, peace and prosperity. What do we have now by being citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Christians, peace, prosperity. Let's keep going. It tells us, unto the upright, verse 4, there arises light in the darkness. You don't have to stumble around and not know what to do. You can have direction for your life. You can seek God. Even though there may be darkness all through the land, you can seek God for truth, for wisdom, for vision, for knowledge, for understanding. Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. That talks about just being good business sense, being generous and having discretion. You know, that it, those two are necessary, aren't they? You want to be generous, but you also don't want to give a handout to someone that's going to hurt themselves with what you give them. That's a big concern, right? You see someone, you want to be generous, you want to be kind, but then in the back of your mind think, what if I give this person this thing or I help them out and it makes it actually worse because I enable them to do something wrong with it? So the righteous person, the righteous man, the righteous woman, not only is generous but also has discretion. You know how to get the most bang for your buck when you're being generous. Verse 6, this person will never be shaken, and there'll be an everlasting remembrance. That's what we like to call stability. That's what we like to call a legacy. The righteous, Proverbs 10, 7 tells us that the righteous, the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the memory of the wicked will rot. Man, that's intense, isn't it? The memory of the wicked will rot. But the memory of the bless of the righteous will be blessed. You know, your life will outlive you. Your life will outlive you. The testimony of your life will live on this earth longer than you do. Make it a good one. And when you serve God and fear Him, it will be. Verse 7 tells us, There is no fear. He will not have feared of evil tidings, of bad news. His heart's steadfast. He trusts in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is established. He's not afraid. The person that fears the Lord, that delights in his commandments, 
He has no fear. There's no place for fear. His heart is steadfast. Stability. Have you ever been around someone and they're just completely unstable? Like they just, they need to get it together. You don't have to be that person. You can live and be stable, dependable. Like people know when they hear your name, like I can count on them to get the job done. I know they can. If they, if, if they, if AJ says he's going to do it, you can consider it done. You know, you, if they say they can do it, they'll, they'll do it. They'll, they'll move heaven and earth to do it. That's the kind of person I want to be. And then no fear with it. You go out boldly and do it. Now notice this. Verse 8, until he see his desire upon his enemies. Just because you're serving the Lord doesn't mean you won't have enemies. And just because you're a godly, righteous Christian does not mean that you shouldn't desire to see an end come to your enemies. You know, people who just don't really know the Bible and know the God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus, they, 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 they think like this passive, passive limp-wristed, squishy-spine syndrome about themselves and Christians. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're a pushover. It does. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. I'm not saying you don't afford other people mercy and grace. But when you know someone is in open opposition to the things of God, it's righteous and it's holy to desire to see them come to an end. Now, there's many ways for that to happen. And the best way is that wicked person gets saved. And then all their wickedness and their opposition to the work of God comes to an end. But if they choose to be continually belligerent and come against the things of God, Lord, wipe them out, whatever necessary, whatever means necessary. Because it's far better. This is a fearful thing, but it's true. I've learned this in studying the Bible for many years. It's far, far better for one man to be judged than a a family, a community, a nation to be judged. Some people that are listening to this right now, you might think, AJ, wow, that's pretty tough. That's intense. Search it out for yourself. It's far better for one to be judged than a nation to be destroyed. And the righteous person that fears God and delights in the commandments of the Lord, they want to see the end of wickedness come quickly. Verse 9 shows us, again, generosity, enduring generosity, and his horn or strength will be exalted with honor. Strength and honor. You'll be strengthened and honor. Verse 10 is actually not about the righteous man. The first nine verses of this psalm is about the righteous man. The last verse is about the wicked. Verse 10, the wicked will see it and be grieved. See what? The life of the believer. The wicked will gnash his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked will perish. These wicked folks... Again, we, we, we want the same thing that God wants, that all be saved and come to a saving knowledge of God. But God's given free choice, and if someone belligerently, militantly is against the things of God, there's their end. God takes nine verses to describe the life of the righteous and one verse to describe the wicked. But the description that he gives the wicked is very, very unfortunate and sad. They'll be grieved, they'll gnash their teeth, they'll melt away, and they'll perish. 
So the choice is yours, and I believe you've made the choice to be this blessed person. I've already alluded to it several times. I just couldn't help but say it. But obviously the question is, man, AJ, that's so wonderful. These blessings are so powerful. How do I get them in my life? Verse 1, fear the Lord and delight greatly in His commandments. I did a whole teaching. I did actually, I taught a live service at church, at my church, Gospel Tabernacle. A lot, a lot of people that listen are of the GT family, uh, but many of you aren't. I know that. So if you go back on the podcast channel, you'll see a uh, you'll see a message called The Fear of the Lord. And at this point, it's a couple months back when I taught on The Fear of the Lord. Very introductory, because The Fear of the Lord is a statement and a principle and a doctrine uh, and understanding of the thing of God, uh, of something of God that is all through the Bible, Old and New Testament. Hundreds of scriptures talk about the fear of the Lord. But plainly, simply, to fear God is to honor Him, love Him, and submit to Him in every area of your life with all that you are. It is to desire to do the will of God above any other person's will, including my own. And when you fear God, you'll delight in doing His commandments. And it's this simple. When you fear God, when you put God first, Matthew 6, 33, it's the kingdom principle. The kingdom first principle, I call it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. That could be the New Testament version of this psalm, I guess. When you seek God with everything that's in you, His righteousness, commit yourself to Him, then all that follows you is blessing. The blessing overtakes your life. Hey, I'm so thankful that you've listened today to this wake-up call. Uh, if you've not subscribed, you know, go ahead and make sure you subscribe uh, to the Faith for My Generation podcast. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and click the share on this. If you're on Instagram, share it to your story and uh, tag me. I would love to see that. I appreciate all the sharing that you do. Um, if you just want to copy that link, paste it into a text message and send it to a friend that you think would enjoy it, do that. Help me get the word out. My desire is to build a large resource of teaching, Bible teaching for believers, so that we can build up and train up a generation of on-fire believers who will see the mighty works of God in the hand of the Lord in their life and in this generation. And I believe that's you. I believe that's me because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.